Chapter nine of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three, by Francois René de Chateaubriand. Chapter nine. London, April to September, eighteen twenty two. Commencement of the siege of Thionville. The Chevalier de la Baronne. Close beside our indigent and obscure camp was one brilliant and rich. At the staff officer's quarters nothing was to be seen but wagons filled with provisions. The place was crowded with cooks, valets, and aides-de-camp. Nothing could better represent the court and the province, the monarchy expiring at Versailles, and the monarchy dying among the wilds of Dijesclin. The aides-de-camp had become odious to us. On the occurrence of any engagement at Thionville we cried, Forward, aides-de-camp, as the patriots cried, Forward, officers! I felt a weight at my heart, when coming one gloomy day within sight of forests bordering the horizon, we were told that these forests were in France. The act of crossing the frontier of my native land in arms had an effect upon me which I cannot describe. I had a sort of prophetic feeling, a revelation of the future, the more so as I did not share any of the illusions of my comrades, either as regarded the cause in defence of which they were engaged, or the triumph they flattered themselves with the hope of obtaining. I was like Falkland in the army of Charles I. There was not a chevalier of la manche in our army though he might be an invalid lame and with his head covered by a nightcap under the three-cornered hat who did not firmly believe himself able with his single arm to put to flight fifty vigorous young patriots this respectable and complacent pride the source of prodigies at another period had not taken possession of my mind i did not feel so convinced of the prowess of my invincible arm we arrived without defeat at thionville on the first of september for we had met no one on the way the cavalry encamped to the right the infantry to the left of the high road leading to the town from the german side the fortress was not in sight from our position but about six hundred paces off was the crest of a hill from which there was a view into the valley of the moselle the marines connected the right flank of our infantry with prince waldeck's austrian corps and the left flank was covered by a body of cavalry of the maison rouge and the royal allemand eighteen hundred strong we entrenched ourselves in front by a ditch along which were ranged the stands of arms the eight breton companies occupied two transverse streets of the camp and below us lay the company of the officers of navarre my comrades the works which occupied three days being completed monsieur and the count d'artois arrived and reconnoitred the place which was vainly summoned to surrender although wimpfen appeared to be inclined to give it up we had not gained the battle of rocroi like the great conde and therefore could not take possession of thionville but we were not defeated beneath its walls like Ferquières. We took up a position on the public road, in part of a village forming a sort of suburb to the town, and outside the hornwork which defended the Moselle Bridge. Shots were fired from house to house. Our men retained possession of those they had taken. I was not present at this first engagement. My cousin Armand behaved well in it. While the skirmish was going on in the village, my company was ordered to the erection of a battery on the skirts of a wood which clothed the summit of one of the neighbouring hills. The slope of this hill was covered with vines down to its foot, where it met the plain adjoining the exterior fortifications of Thionville. The engineer who directed us made us throw up a cavalier, or mound covered with turf, on which our cannon were to be planted. In a parallel line with it we dug an open trench, to place us below the bullet range. The erection of the terraces proceeded slowly, for we officers were all young and old, little accustomed to handle the shovel and mattock. We had no wheelbarrows, and had to make use of our coats instead of bags to carry the earth in. The fire of a lunette opened upon us, 
and annoyed us the more as we could not return it two eight-pounders and a howitzer whose range was too short to be of any use being the whole of our artillery the first ball we sent from our howitzer fell outside the glacis and excited the derisive shouts of the garrison a few days afterwards we were reinforced by austrian cannon and cannoneers a hundred infantry and a picket of marines were relieved every four-and-twenty hours at this battery the besieged prepared to make an attack on it we could see with the glass considerable movement on the ramparts at nightfall a column issued from one of the posterns and gained the lunette under shelter of the covered way my company was ordered up as a reinforcement at the battery at daybreak five hundred or six hundred patriots began the action in the village on the high road above the town then turning to the left crossed the vines to take our battery in flank the company of marines charged bravely but was routed and exposed us we were too alarmed to return the fire and marched forward with fixed bayonets the assailants retired for what reason i know not had they held firm they would have driven us from the post in this action we had several wounded and some killed among the latter was the chevalier de la baronne captain of one of the breton companies i was an evil genius to him the ball which killed him rebounded from the barrel of my musket and struck him with such force that it went through both temples and crushed the brain noble and useless victim of a hopeless cause when marshal d'aubeterre held the states of brittany he went to the house of monsieur de la baronne the father a poor gentleman living at dinard near saint-malo the marshal who had begged him to invite no one perceived on his entrance that the table was laid for twenty-five people and amicably reproved his host monseigneur said monsieur de la baronne there are none here but my own children he had twenty-two sons and one daughter all by the same marriage the revolution mowed this rich family harvest before it had time to ripen. End of chapter 9